There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me as always is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action this week. Mr. Tyler Yates, the general manager of Yates Buick GMC. Welcome, Tyler. Hello. Happy to be here. Appreciate you guys having me. Centauri, when you think about buying a car, what what emotions do you feel, do you experience? Ooh, uh, man, a lot. It's like a spectrum of uh, frustration, uh, anxiety, um, but happiness once the once the deal is done. So, Relief? Relief, yes. Because usually, I'm trying to think, the last two times I've had to buy a car, it was out of like, I like desperately needed to buy a new car. So I really, the dealership had me buy the, I was like, I have to leave here with a car, so you got me somehow. Suboptimal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, right, here we are, man. Um, so all those emotions were experienced. Yeah. And then happiness when you got into your new Ferrari and drove away. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's probably pretty uncommon, right? So you've been at this for 17, yes, 18 at, years? Yeah, about 17 years, uh, personally. Wow. Yes. So, I mean, when, when, when you hear that, is that like, yep, this is pretty that's common? That's very common. And necessity is is a huge driving force to our business. So I, I, do, I do appreciate that as well. But I will tell you, uh, fear is is number one uh, always on, if you ask somebody, what what is it? It's, it's fear. All mm-hmm. of those words really, to me, were all fear. And uh, I will tell you, you were in the safest buying climate ever for so many different reasons. Uh, one, uh, we are insanely competitive with each other, which is hugely in your advantage as a consumer. Mm-hmm. On top of that, uh, with the database research that's available through car buying now, mm-hmm. it, it we're all so close to each other, like within five hundred dollars of each other. I, I would I would argue you really could not get hurt, especially in buying a new car, because there's such fixed prices from the manufacturer that it's not it it's is not as it, it is what it is, yeah. and it is not nearly as scary as some of the uh, true cars or the Carvanas of the world or these fear these people that literally build their model on on fear and uh, you know scaring scaring people into come see us we are we are your friend we will help you um it is certainly it is certainly we see it in our business all the time it is a scare tactics i i call it but yeah it's their model it, it seems to me it very interesting thank 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 you for sharing your uh, your 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 emotions with us that there aren't that many institutions for lack of a better term where it's very opaque what what, what the process mm, is mm, how much do things cost and I feel like I might be getting screwed in these areas. Should sure. I be doing that? And certainly it's changed, like you said, so much from when you started, yes. right? I mean, essentially, it started with the Moroni sticker, uh, where you were, by law, required to put a sticker 
on a, on a new car on how much it costs because there was this variation and it was oh, a, wow. I believe it was a governor, it was a senator, some, something like this. And, and his last name was Maroney. And what they did was he went to a dealership and it was a truck, I believe that was an example. And he got quoted one price and then he went another place and he got quoted substantially different price. I mean, I'm talking thousands and thousands of dollars difference, maybe four to $6,000 differences. Um, and so it was like this deal where he's like, this is insane. There has to be some kind of regulation on this. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where it started. So now I feel like it's so far past that because it used to be this really, I always call it like, a, you know, reveal the mystery type of thing, you know, almost like a wizard, like what's going on behind the curtain type of feel I think people have. Like, I don't understand it. It's all foggy. What's real? What's not real? Am I getting a good deal? Am I not getting a good deal? Uh, I would say what's really, 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 really changed. And I'd say probably a few years after 2011, maybe, uh, I'm sorry, not 2011, uh, like, after 9-11, I should say, uh, really, is when everything changed. Not just not just in the economy, but the way that we started doing business. Uh, it was so much clearer and so much more mm. open. And I think a lot of it had to do with, I, I don't want to say like the advent of the internet, but the, the utilization, the capitalization of the internet. Like people finally figured out how to use the internet effectively um, to, to market in our business. And our business is, is sometimes behind the times. Like there were already people doing this sort of thing, but, uh, so collecting a database research became huge. So, you know, you look at an auto auction, now you can get in a fingertips. I can see every car sold, every car like it, how much people paid on average. I have so much, so many more tools that I can look at where it's, it wasn't that way before. It wasn't that way before. And I think that that actually made the consumer market, it, it made it a consumer's market. It made it so much better for the consumer because now we're all using the same tools to essentially undercut ourselves and make it so aggressive that you're within 500 bucks or nobody comes and sees you because 90% of my shoppers are online. So if I'm not in, if I'm not in your range, I, I don't have customers. So I have to be aggressive. I have to be on the money, I have to be relatively close to the, our, our nearest competitor. I joke and say it's really not about um, you know where you buy your car anymore. I, I think you can get relatively the same deal. It's where you choose to do business with and people you choose to do business with. So, um, where, so what drives traffic? It seems like it's the, 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 the name, the brand, the reputation of your dealership. Correct. But what gets people here other than that? Is it just driving down the freeway and saying, all right, that's where I'm going? Or what is it mostly? There's so many, there's so many elements in this. Um, we belong to, a, in every region has it, but we belong to an LMA, uh, essentially a group that does, that does shared profit sharing of advertising in our region. Mm and all of our dealers belong to this. And so that's, that's where it starts, I would say, for our specific region, our specific needs. Um, so they start that advertising, but we have national advertising to support it. Then we, as car dealers, because we are known for being creative advertisers. Uh, that's 100% true. We, yes. on top of it, do our own advertising. Right. And so, yes, it's, it's checked by the manufacturer. It has to be within state laws and this sort of thing. You know, what I can do here, you can't necessarily do in Chicago. Mm. I know that, you know. But what I can do in my region, um, um, it's pretty, we, we have a lot of freedom there to, to advertise however we see fit. Now, I've gone almost 100% digital at this point. Um, I'm almost zero TV or, or radio um, now, I will do some very specific radio. I did Pandora for a while. I saw results because I could, I could fence you in exactly where I wanted you to hear it. And uh, anybody who drove by would didn't have it 
on one of their deals before they, if they paid for their Pandora, maybe they wouldn't get my commercial. But if they didn't, they were going to see me. Um, and so that was one way. Um, but I, I, what we've also gone to now is we host a quarterly, we call it a customer appreciation, but it's actually just a community event. It, you don't have to be a customer. We, we advertise it as a community event. So we do quarterly community events where we bring out live music. Uh, we bring out, uh, we have, we've had petting zoos, we've had Santa Clauses, we've had, uh, but we always have food trucks and food to eat, and we've had, like I said, live music. We we make it like a festival here on, at the dealership, and you know, from my perspective, is it brings the community together. It's mm-hmm. a great thing to do, but it's just a it's a branding opportunity. We don't look to sell cars directly from it, but we you know residual effects you know sometimes happen, and that's great. But it's really just here we are. We're in your backyard. We want you to know who we are. Please come out and enjoy some food and some fun free family time which you know people are always looking for so it's it's we've changed the way we've done a lot of things and i would say if you have the nicest cars and you you could be in nowhere you wouldn't need a nicest building as this i mean this is really because of the manufacturer i could be in a warehouse and if i had my cars on the money people would come mm. would come and that's that's the huge power of of how the internet has just massively changed our industry to the point where you could be a little, I know guys that own warehouses and sell plenty of cars and just because it looks pretty doesn't necessarily mean they're making money because mm-hmm. uh, I know plenty of guys that have more, <clears throat> way more overhead than I do and they have a tough time meeting that. Uh, you know, it's, it's just the way it is, you know, and so low overheads, um, small places are sometimes more profitable than, than one would imagine in this business. So. A question that I've always had, and you've kind of segued into it, is the profitability of a car dealership. Where are the margins? Is it just a volume play? Just sell well, as many cars as you can? At this point, the manufacturer is very much dictating, almost every manufacturer is dictating it into a, you know, they always say, oh, stair-step incentives or whatever you want to call them, but it is a volume play because if you hit X numbers, you're going to get this return, but if you chase it and you miss, mm-hmm. there could be a real problem there. Uh, so. It's a fine line. You want to put yourself out there as hard as you can, but you don't want to overextend yourself in a way that that you just get crushed if you don't make your objective. And and it's it's a really really fine line, and we play with that every day. Mm. Um, but you know it's it's worked out it's worked out for us. But it is all a volume game at this point, especially in new cars. I, I should say in used cars too, because it's all about the 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 generation of the turn, how fast I can sell these depreciating assets essentially i mean mm. i have to sell them they have a holding cost they have a daily holding cost so it's it's a little different than than some other businesses because it's literally i am as i could have a book change where i could own a couple used cars and tomorrow they come out with a huge incentive by general motors comes out with an extra five thousand dollars on the new one and now the new one rivals my used one and go. now i'm out 5k on each of them you know or something like this is like uh high is possible obviously you have to win a lot more than you lose but those those situations do happen i mean they don't happen a lot thank goodness but they think they, they come they come about more more than people would probably think <laughs> so yeah things like that happen. It's, it's it's so interesting that as i drive around and i see brand new dealerships being built i think mm. to myself does that really make sense um I, to, to Okay, so to me, no. I, I don't understand it because we don't need it. Um, now, to the manufacturers and the powers that be, the, 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 you know, they, they get to sit in a pretty, a pretty big tower in Detroit, and uh, you know, they, they have some different thoughts on that, I'm sure. And, it is, and it, is, it is still a show, per se, of I think the look is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not 
convinced that you need it necessarily, but it's professional and it's they're making them all the same now. Very, very we used to have a lot of dealers that some would have a really, really nice facility, some would have a not so nice. They've done a really good job in making sure every it was uniform, you know, that everyone looked good, looked similar. Um, and, and, and that's changed a lot. But I don't I definitely do not think it is necessary to have this big beautiful building to sell a bunch of vehicles. I don't. Um, I think that that it's a nice convenience. Gotcha. From a service piece that that makes sense to me. If I'm going to go have to spend an hour at a dealership, Correct. I'm going to want a place where I can work or amenities, high, Wi-Fi, the whole. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, from a service perspective, certainly. From a sales perspective, zero. Really. They really don't need it, but it is for the service. It's for the service, and it's for the customers, and it's it's the look. It's it's everything. Now, services, by far the most important thing to our business mm. by by far 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 i mean selling of the cars yes but retention and service numbers they're 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 paramount they're they're what keeps your keeps your lifeblood and it keeps and people you coming back keeps yeah. you going yeah, yeah. i mean you, retention and numbers that's that's what it's all about so what do you say retention retention for keeping so the customers we sell cars to keeping them and adding to them um okay as Maybe. far as that goes oh, for the servicing Get in you know, okay. So we, we, out of like the 48 surrounding, we, we were like at the top, top retention levels, which is great. Now, how do we capture more people and still maintain that high number? Um, so that's that's really, really, really what it's about on the service side is, well, obviously fixing the problem right the first time is what we strive mm. for. But it's these are complicated complicated machines now i'd say we almost we've almost out complicated ourselves on these on these cars i mean we've got so much technology so much going on i mean it's great to have but it, is it necessary i don't know some of the safety stuff I, I agree with like backup cameras standard i think all that is great but some of the stuff we got going on in these cars it's just like do we really i mean i guess we need it but it's it's once you go there you can't go back it's one of those things right. once you give it to them that's that's the new standard you have set. So it's just the way it's just the way it is. Is there one or two things that pops in? Oh mind? yeah, I was just gonna oh, say. I was gonna say like I don't know. I, I I like I guess I'm hit or miss. I like the Apple Car plays of the world. I like right. having all that stuff. But sometimes it's like really complicated, you know. And it's it's meant to be easy. But you know we got Wi-Fi and trucks, you know, which is great for those who work in in travel and have kids. I just I just remember road trips being a lot quieter when I was a kid. Yes, <laughs> a lot more fighting in the backseat. Yeah. Maybe uh, you know right. where now they're just zoned into whatever device and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a different it's a different deal. You know they're quiet, but just for a different reason. They're right. all they're all uh, you know they're jacked into the yes, system. Yes, <clears throat> they've all they've all fully bought into the system. I you know I was just thinking about that. You know these kids they're never going to not know what a iPod is or you know from birth like that's a pretty right. wild thought to me. Generation. But, but so, you know, I, I don't know. You can't, like I said, once you get these things, once you get these amenities, just like in cars, just like we have on our phones, just like we're, you become extremely dependent and attached. It's a, no, do you own your possessions, your possessions on you type of thing. And I yes, definitely I think that. we're, we're past it. We've passed that point, in my opinion. So, Tyler, from Fight Club, so. You, uh, <laughs> you talked a little bit earlier about some industry innovations, but talk a little bit more about um, some disruptions like Carvana and what that does for you. Uh, and dealerships and your thoughts on that in general. Well, Carvana is interesting. I mean, they don't or any of the other yeah, yeah. ideas. So like I mentioned True Car, which is essentially like a broker service essentially. And brokers are interesting to me because it 
they buy their cars from us. Like they are getting their cars <laughs> from us. So like, if you don't think that there is a profit built into their model, they're, they're not doing it for free. So I just don't understand how people can be swayed by a broker when they have to buy the car from us. They're not getting these cars from manufacturers, they're getting them from a dealer. And then they're reselling these cars as a service and as a, I'm here to help you and I'm, I'm, the, I'm the trustworthy one, not the dealer. It, it, you know, as a dealer, it, it definitely bothers us. I don't think we like it. I mean, I can speak for most dealers. We think it's, it's crazy. It's like they, they have taken the 1980s scariness and, and then try to rebrand it today and, and, and perpetuate this fear. And that, to me, I, 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 I do not like it. I very strongly dislike that. Um, but, you know, that's their business model, and that's how they make money. I, I, I think of them as, as vultures and a bit of a siphoning from us, and they're just, that's what they do professionally. Now, they, so I sell cars to many different brokerages, um, which I, I always kind of laugh because those people are paying more money than they would here in my store. And it's just like, you know, but that's that's a mental state. It's uh, It's been created. Mm. They feel more comfortable. Um, it's what they've chosen to do. And they, and they see deals are really perception, unfortunately. Like you could pay more for a car and feel like you got a great deal and a great experience. And I know it sounds crazy, but some of the happiest customers in the history of my life have paid the most money for cars because mm. that's the value they saw in the product. And and so it wasn't hard for them to give the money because that's that was real value to them. And so I don't, I guess it's all perception, but in this, in this era, the deals are so much different. Like you're not gonna have two, three, four thousand dollar deals in a front front end being on the sale transaction of of the cars anymore. It's just not possible. Uh, manufacturers are aware of that. Everyone's aware of that. And that's why volume this has really worked out insanely well for the manufacturer. Because now volume is even a bigger point. So they're like awesome. Like now that they're now that you've all priced yourselves so aggressively against each other. Now we can talk about volumes that you could hit for us. And so, you know, once we take possession of those cars, they're ours. So they're they're happy to give us as many vehicles as we as we <laughs> take them all. As we can take. So, so it's just yeah, they're happy to encourage you to take a few extras. You know, it's not that's nothing to them. So, you know, it's it's just it's just an interesting time. And and now you talk about Carvana. Carvana is a is like a Uber or something else like this. Like somebody that doesn't really make money, but they make money. It's a, it's a, it's always an odd deal to me. Um, and Carvana is is we are your friend. We will take you out of the scary dealer. But they're they're just a, a car buying service, and and they're just a broker. They're an expensive broker with some very expensive, you know, uh, people they pay to to represent them. You know, actors, etc. And they, they, I would argue that places like that don't pick as nice of cars as I do because they get guys and they look strictly at the math. I, I watch them buy cars all the, all the time in the, in the lane. They have a clipboard and they have prices written down and they have, you know, there is still a feel and a look and a, you know, smell and checking the panels and there's still an art to buying nice used cars. Mm. And mm-hmm. there's this fine line of like, just dictate by the data or by the car. <clears throat> and I am personally of the opinion that you need both. Some of these buying services, and I shouldn't single them out, the CarMaxes of the world do the same thing. And where they, you know, where they go in the lane, they have strict numbers and they buy the cars. Now, 
I know they look at them, but they also don't buy the cars until somebody else bids on them first, and then they jump in. That's like a thing of theirs. I don't know why why that is. Hmm. So uh, they buy these cars, and then they do a minimum amount of recon, and they put them out there. Well, I guess with my name behind it, I just feel mm-hmm. as if I am I have like a social responsibility to have. If if I wouldn't do it for myself, like I wouldn't do it for you. So I want to make sure they're as nice as I can. And do I pick wrong every once in a while? Yes. I mean, that's the nature of the beast. And, and those cars don't pass my shop and they don't go to my front line. So I resend them to the sale and, and, and they go on their way. But, you know, the idea is picking the nicest cars, getting the nicest inventory and trying your best, not just in the numbers, but there is a feel to it too. I, and I think that's a forgotten art uh, of this business. And it's and it's going to become less, it's going to be more and more math-based and, and it's okay. It's kind of like Moneyball, you know, it's like, it's, it's math-based, but there is a little bit of a feel to a guy, his personality, you know, whatever it may be. It's just like cars, you know, there's, they have, they have a look to them. And uh, some of them you can tell are nicer than others, being the exact same car. And I prefer the nicer one and I'll pay slightly more for it and I think it's worth it. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think that that's, so many different industries are going through these contractions. If it's Correct. health insurance or yeah. financial services or real estate, well, pretty much every industry, I suppose. Correct. So do you have a sense of what the market share for those online buyers is, the CarMax, Carvanas of the world? See, I don't have a, I don't have an exact note. I mean, they put out the reports. You know, I looked at that, but I, I don't know. Like for us personally, we're having one of the best years we've ever had. So I can't put like how they would be affecting me personally. Like I can't really put a number on that. Yeah. You know, I know they are getting. You know, they are gaining popularity, and those buying services are gaining popularity, but. I don't know if they're here to stay. And to be quite frank, there are people that do it better with less. There's a there's a, there's a guy called Texas Direct that's been doing this as since the internet began, and he, they sell a thousand cars a month online. This is not a new idea. Right. They they have branded it as a new idea, but the, the reality is this is this idea has existed for a long time. There's another place out of Florida. I don't know them as well. I just always always use them as the example just because I. I like how they do it. They take, they have warehouses. They take uniform pictures of all the cars and all the different angles. They have it online, huge online presence. You can do all your paperwork online. You can do everything online and they'll ship you a car. They they have existed well before these other guys. And they did it and they are for profit. They are profitable uh, and they make plenty of money and they do very well. And so I laugh when I see Carvana struggling to, it's it's possible. It's it's possible. I don't know what they're doing wrong, but it's a thousand percent possible. Now they are uh, starting to take used cars as trade-ins, which they weren't doing. They were purchasing all their cars, which I think is a huge disservice. But now they're they've they've adjusted that a little bit. That's why you see CarMax so heavily advertised. We buy cars. We buy cars. We buy cars because getting getting that asset for a little bit less than you would have to as, as the competitor buying at an auto auction is. Oh, you know, if you're saving thousands over, I mean, hundred, you know, that, that adds up. You know, even if you're saving five hundred per car, and you're selling hundred cars a month, again, I volume, mean, yeah, volume. So that's that's a huge uh, math, 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 <laughs> the math. And I always joke, but it's all it's all about like velocity and the velocity of a turn and how fast you can how fast you can go. That's that's really our business model now. It's like there is no asset worth wrestling over for a couple hundred bucks. Let's just launch it. Go. Let's go next. Right, it's a waste of everybody's time. Yes, everyone's time. The person in front of me, mine, everyone. So it's it's in their best asset. I mean, their best uh, interest for us to just go make a fair deal. Yeah, fast. 
Right. Keep going. So, so when somebody comes in to to buy a new car and they have a, a vehicle that they want to trade in, correct? Do you go by Blue Book? Edmund, yep. We go by many factors. Uh, I look at auctions and I look at, at the book values. Now, what's wild is uh, Kelly Blue Book started doing this thing called Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. So I pay Kelly Blue Book, I pay them Cox or whoever they may be. I pay them a little extra money uh, to have this service where literally if I don't want to take the trade in, they've put a hard number on it that they would purchase the vehicle for. Yeah. So it's like third-party validation type thing. Mm. Um, you know. So if a consumer says, well, Kelly says, I said, well, Kelly is going to give you a check. This much. And this is exactly what they say. Yeah. And they say, oh, okay. And if it's more than what I feel comfortable with, I had some foreign cars, like some BMWs and such, that they put massive numbers on that I was like super uncomfortable to even touch it at that. And I sold them to them, and it worked out fine. It worked out great. And uh, I don't know what they do with those cars, but... I couldn't make sense of the math, but so you take possession of the vehicle and send it to that. I send it to the auto auction, who then they've brokered this deal where they buy it huh. and they send me a check. Got it. Yeah. That's so, really interesting. Right. How long has that been going on? Uh, well over f- four years. Long at time. Least, yeah. So, wow. so there's there's that. You know, there's there's all these little things that we can do to. I, I think that's a really strong one just because it's third-party validation from a source that people use, like the Bible. You know, the Kelly Blue Book, you know, that's a very common, I don't know if it is as common today, but I think it still holds a lot of weight in their in their ads. So you've been in the industry for a couple of decades. Give us uh, a story about a boom, a great, great time, and then a bust, something that just went completely awry. <laughs> I've got both for sure. I've got both for sure. <laughs> so, like... Like the end of the 90s was pretty hot time. Like the 90s era, they were selling a lot of cars. Now, we literally had our best month last, or our, our best year this year ever in the history of Congratulations, cars. wow. So, in the history of our business. Now, many factors. We have the biggest growth in the West Valley in the history of the world, pretty much, you know. So, that's, that's a huge factor. But, economy's strong, interest rates are low. I mean, I've got, I've got a very good, uh, a lot of reasons why that's happening. We we have great personnel. Don't get me wrong. I'm not discrediting that, but I have help too, you know. And I think a lot of people throughout the history of time, it's a little bit of all these things coming together. You know, you could take credit for being the genius that did this or something, but the reality is, there's a lot of reasons these things happen. To all certain the things people. lined up, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know that that's that's huge. I, I would say there are, there are so many examples of this. So right after. 9-11, as we all know, markets crash, all hell breaks loose in our economy. And uh, what we found was GM was literally sending letters to dealers and being like, because at that time they're like, we have to thin it out. We're going we're gonna to see how far you are away. It was very gray. But it was like, you might be eliminated if you're X amount of miles away from another dealer like yours. You might be eliminated for this. You might be eliminated for this. So they're literally sending people letters in the mail. And you would just like get a letter and your business would be done. <laughs> so that that was oh, wow. probably the scariest. They, we had news people show up here and like, did you get a letter? You know, whatever. Did you get a letter? Did you like, get a letter? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I hope, I hope not. I'm like, we're not. If you're here to watch our demise, please uh, pack it up. I, I would prefer you uh, go find something else to do today. Um, we were lucky enough to survive that. Uh, um, you know, my father started this business uh, 35 years ago. 36 years ago, about. So, you know. 
We, we were, I mean, that would have been hugely disappointing. I mean, obviously, you put your whole life into something, and you get a letter in the mail that tells you whether or not you shut down. To me, that was crazy, insane. But it, it was it was the way it was the way they decided to do it. Now, some of the greatest times I, I say we're we're currently in some of the greatest times ever uh, for for cars, and I'd say pre pre 9/11 times when people got really really cocky, um, it, it, we were in a pretty good spot there too. So those are the ones I have seen. Mm. You know, I know that there was a, a huge interest rates and in, in, in essentially a crash in the 80s. My dad experienced that one. So, you know, he w- he saw that one. I didn't see that one. I, I saw the thrive, and then I obviously saw the crash. Um, and now I'm seeing it thrive again. So, uh, you know how that cyclically goes, so I'm a little worried about that. But I think, uh, you know, depending on what happens, but it's, it's really, it's the best time to be in the car business. Right now it's the best time to be in the car business. Single point store, tough. But uh, single point being that we just have this one, we have this one, we don't have multiple, multiple dealer groups, we're not a dealer group. Um, it's a little tougher to make that work. You know, they're slowly, people are trying to acquire single points every day right now. They're offering, you know, because the economy is so good, they're offering crazy money to do so. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that we'd be in the car business forever, but we can be and we might be. I, it's really, it's day to day. We just, it's, it's day to day and I love what I do, but I, I don't know what it looks like tomorrow, and there's a lot more factors that come to play on that. Tell us about Cash for Clunkers. Cash for Clunkers. Cash for Clunkers was an interesting program. Um, so what they did was they offered they offered uh, money for old cars that weren't worth the money. So uh, the idea was the idea. This makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The idea. So there's only a couple times that I can think that the government got involved uh, in the actual like, and they had like an I and I don't know where these ideas come from. They like actually like humor me and that they just like we got an idea. We're gonna get all these gas guzzling cars off the road, and we're gonna get these old cars off the road, and we're gonna and now we're gonna go to um, we're gonna help everyone. So what it really ended up doing. So I was reading statistics. It actually made people buy less cars because they were they were taking these old cars and you were only able to qualify for the clunkers deal is if you bought something, I think it was like 22 miles per gallon or better, uh, you had to purchase something. Mm. And at that time, there really wasn't, EV really, uh, you know, alternative vehicles and uh, electric vehicles really hadn't even happened yet. They were just starting to happen. So it it was probably ahead of its time. There's some other things that could have tweaked and it might have really actually worked. But what they ended up doing is just destroying a ton of cars that I don't think needed to be destroyed. And they lost a massive amount of money for for the federal government. So they lost a massive amount of money naturally. Um, And it really didn't boost any car sales. They looked at the data suggesting if they, somebody had a cash for clunkers, versus, they said there was no difference. There was the people, it was the same. So it helped people buy more car than they probably should have. Mm. That's about it because they got a little more money so they could buy a little more of an expensive car than they probably normally would. Now, what has affected that? I think they kept their cars longer after that. So they started keeping these cars that they got on the smoking deal. And we saw, and I'm not saying it's directly cash for clunkers. It also had to do with us coming out of an economic downturn. But it used to be like four years or something like this on average that somebody would keep their car. At one point, it spiked up to almost 11 years. Mm. And then it went back down to like seven. Um, But it was like crazy. It was crazy. Um, And so... You know, and that's another thing about making these cars so nice 
is that people aren't buying the cars as often. As often, they're just and they're the cars are cars, pretty reliable, man. And they're keeping cars yeah. for very, very, very long time. So. Uh, that's that's a little different. You know, that's a little different. I always joke. I said, we're making these cars too good. We don't even, they don't even need services. What are we going to do? Right. But, it's, but it's real. And every manufacturer has it. It's, it's great. Um, you know, I, I would argue that everyone's making a really nice car. And most of us, whether people know it or not, are sharing parts from different uh, facilities. Like, in it not, I'm not talking just GM. I'm talking Toyota, GM, da, da, da. We all have very similar. That's why when you see a massive airbag recall, they're on everyone's cars because we all had the same guy. You know, right. it's, it's just the way it was. So, you know, cars are very international, very, very, very world. You know, it's not, it's no longer, well, this car's made, you know, it's they're made everywhere and, and all the parts are made everywhere. And it's it's interesting. It's It's fun. It's fun to see. You get a lot more ideas. Uh, GM ha- has taken a lot of stuff from Opal and and, and, and purchased it and, and rebranded it as Buick. Um, it, it's 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 interesting. It's 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 a world. It's not. It's no longer just we make cars in, in U.S. of A. You know, it's just, it's just really not like. It doesn't that. work that way. What do you think about Tesla? I think Tesla is extremely interesting. Um, Maybe I always like you know I, I can't root too hard for him because obviously that would affect my business insane you know like that that could definitely be a, a disruptor uh, they could definitely be the first disruptor I guess I just really admire Elon Musk like just kind of like taking it to him and and I and I like that about it yeah. you know it's not it's not uh, it wouldn't be ideal for for me personally if he succeeded but I, I love I love the idea of of Tesla I mean. Just recently, we, we had to deal with a strike where I had $50 parts for $5,000 jobs that I couldn't get because of the strike. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have to deal with those problems. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, only the big three have to deal with those problems. And that being Chrysler, GM, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, Ford, sorry, and Ford. So th- there's no, they're the only ones that have to abide by, by essentially the demands put by the union. So... It's a different landscape. Selling without dealerships is different. Servicing in your driveway. I mean, are these ideas that crazy? No. Could these other manufacturers catch up and do the similar things? Yes. You know, so I don't know. I don't know where that takes us. I mean, I'm more concerned as to what EV vehicles look like in the future because they're going to require less servicing. And service being such a huge part of our business, I don't know what those dollars are going to look like yeah. because you know they just don't require as much maintenance. They're not, they're they're not the same at all. They're not the same engines at all. They're just completely different vessels, you know. So I don't I don't really know what that portion is going to look like. That's a question mark. But uh, for the most part, you know, I like I like Tesla. I guess you could say I like the idea of Tesla. Whether he's the the one that makes that sort of thing happen, I don't know. I think he's got his hands in so many different pots. I'm not sure that Tesla is no that important to him, to yeah, be yeah. honest. It's one of the like, things. it's one of the things. Yeah, and well. he's like, tomorrow he could be on to something else. And I don't, you know, God bless him. He's one of the greatest innovators of my lifetime. You know, you know, rock on. Do what you got to do. Like, I, I don't blame anybody for not staying in the space. Car, car business is a weird business because you can invest a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money for a very, very small return. You make 5% in the car business, you're a rock star. Yeah. The margins are yeah. insane. You two percent, two three percent, you're doing good. Five percent, you're insane. Like that's that's crazy to think about. You know, I, I always joke like, why <laughs> you could take your money elsewhere and, and make a lot more money doing nothing. 
Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's an interesting concept. Isn't that kind of question your whole deal? Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Every day. On a daily basis, like I mentioned earlier. Does uh, does GMC, are, do, do they make an electric vehicle? Well, they are the, GM is the, yes, they do. Uh, they have the full, they have some other, they have yeah, some other things. Okay. But what they, what they are doing is they're the biggest R&D at it right now. And I believe uh, somebody else just recently invested with them. It was either Toyota or Nissan. Put money towards shared research and development on this stuff. So Toyota had done a joint project with GM in the past where they did this, this car called the Vibe. The Pontiac version was a Vibe. The Toyota version was the Matrix. And they were the exact same car. So Toyota did like the engine and, and some of the transmission. And, and then Pontiac did the style and body. And they did the... So it's not uncommon for them to mm. share R&D. Like they definitely do. But they pay for each other's R&D. Or they invest mutually um, to figure these things out. But it's, it's wild because it's like such an unknown. Like I have no idea what cars are going to look like. I mean, I can guess... And I have friends that are pretty high up that could guess, but really we're all we're all guessing. Right. So it's it's it should be interesting. And mm-hmm. like I said, the servicing will be the biggest question mark for us. Your advice to people when they're going to buy their next car. Mm-hmm. My my advice is always this: if you have a person that you like to do business with and that you know or you trust, is always the number one. That's always number one for me, because. Like I said before, buying a car in this landscape, if you go to a competitive dealer, at least in Arizona, for sure, you're going to get relatively the same deal. And I mean, honestly, you'll be within probably $500 of each other. Now, if I can't speak for every place, because like if you're in Nowheresville, Montana or something like this, and there's one dealer and then the next dealer is like four hours away, it may not work as competitively. And, And that's understandably. Because it's a bit of a captive audience. He's an island, you know, so a little different. But for us in, in the state of Arizona and, and many other places like Dallas and other places, I know insanely competitive markets like L.A., that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's just you really can't get hurt. And I guess it's all, like I said before, it's, it's perception of the deal. But as long as you feel taken care of, your questions were answered, people show you how to operate all your, all your everything your car has – you know, ideally, I'd like to be somewhere between Verizon and Apple on the technology of the way we explain things and the ease of it and show you everything that's on it. You know, when I go into those stores, they they show me stuff on my phone I'll never use, but they show me everything. And, right. I, and I appreciate that, you know, and I and I always want and I always joke to these guys. I mean, yeah, it's the prices of our phones are going up, but they're buying 50000 60000 $80,000 vehicles. This guy bought a $600 phone and has you. he's been given more information than you guys are giving. Come on. Like, that's. Right. That's something I talk to salespeople about all the time. You have to be, you have to be more of a professional than that, you know. And, you know, kudos to those type of companies that do such a great job in training. And you know, there is some some of that. But, you know, that's that's what we like to see. You know, is is a huge amount of show and tell. And like I said, I think it's going to be more of an expensive T-shirt than it will be anything else. It's a retail deal. I think the further and further it gets along, the more and more one price we all become. We're pretty much that way anyway. People won't believe that. But it's because of how not only competitive it is, but because of all the database research, the consumer has dictated the future. And the consumer wanted research and wanted to be able to know what it was and wanted to know all these things. And it and now they have it at their fingertips. And so I would say it is very much a uh, customer 
you know, friendly landscape now. It's not buyer beware, it's dealer beware. Don't make a mistake by trying to be so aggressive that you put yourself out of business. I mean, I would say we, we are more so have to make sure we, we still do the right things to, to hold a little profit. Sure. Okay. Nice. So give us the website, give us the address, whatever information you want to share. YatesBuickGMC.com is our website. And we're at 13845 West Test Drive here in Goodyear, Arizona. Across the street from the Rudy's Barbecue. Anybody off the freeway always knows that place. So they can find me. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, how I, that's how I tell them. But uh, I will tell you, uh, been here 35 years. Don't plan on going anywhere. Uh, love to see what the future holds. Don't know the answers, but certainly uh, we, we, are, we are quick adjusters in this business. We, we have learned to adapt and move quickly to the next thing. So whatever it is, we'll be there. Nice. Nice. Closing thoughts, Centauri? No, just thank you, Tyler, for being on. And uh, you actually answered a lot of questions that I've always had about dealerships and um, how everything works. So the, the inner workings is uh, really insightful. So thanks for being on. Thank you all. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate all the, the, the efforts from a community standpoint, doing the community events, because I think that's certainly going to be a big differentiator moving forward as, as things level off. So. Sure. Well, thanks as always for listening. Go to YatesBuickGMC.com. Stop in and see... Uh, stop in and see him the next time you are at Rudy's. And as always, <laughs> keep questioning because the struggle is real. <laughs>